You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. And we're off and racing. Welcome back, everybody. How are you going over there, Hamish? How's things down in Melbourne? I'm doing well. Yeah, things are good. Weather has been uh, fantastic. We just uh, we also just really? came out of it. Yeah, weather's been really good, but we also oh, have good. been in a lo- little bit of a snap lockdown. So yeah, what's going on with that? Is that finished or is that still going? Or yeah, it's finished. I mean, the full lockdown is finished. There's still some restrictions lingering, right. but um, yeah, that's kind of been what's happening this week in in Melbourne. Back, oh, it's good to hear. Back stuck indoors. How's yeah. uh, how's things in Canberra? Uh, I'm not in Canberra at the moment. I'm oh. at the Gold Coast. Oh, <laughs> look at that. How's things in the Gold Coast then? <laughs> how's things at the Gold Coast? Well, to be honest, like I love the Gold Coast, but right now it could be better because <laughs> it's just it's just raining. Oh, There's, it's just no. complete cloud and just rain. It's so bizarre when it rains. When it rains in Queensland, man, it pours. Mm, fuck, it's <laughs> it down. was. Bucketing down, yeah. But um, anyway, fingers crossed the sun comes out so I can go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, hope so. Yeah, well, um, yeah. we've got a jam-packed uh, day today in the podcast. Yeah, got lots of massive things to talk podcast. About. The first thing I did want to say just before we get into the sponsor and uh, what we're going to talk about today, um, if you guys have any questions that you want to ask uh, every now and then at the end, if we have time at the end of the podcast episodes, we do some Q&A. So if you have any questions you want to ask, then make sure you go over and head over to the YouTube version of the podcast, youtube.com forward slash the young investors podcast. Mm. And if you just click on the latest episode and ask your questions in the comment section, then every week we take all of the questions and stick them at the bottom of a document. And uh, we usually have time to get to one or two or more. Uh, Q and A's yeah. uh, questions. So go ahead and do that. Well, we're running out. Actually, I was reading through the comments on the most recent podcast just mm. uh, just before. We've actually got some interesting follow ups from last week. I think we might have asked in last week's podcast what the market cap of Bitcoin is. Turns out it's about eight hundred and eighty two billion. Wow. So that was a follow up. So thank you, Peter, for letting us know about that. Thank you. And um, <laughs> there was an interesting uh, follow up as well from uh, Khalid, who said, technically speaking, if you're a Tesla holder or an S&P 500 index fund holder, which Tesla is a part of, then theoretically you do hold Bitcoin. <laughs> correct. That, is, that true. is correct. That is very true. However, however small that that um, that might be. It's true. We do hold some Bitcoin. I hold some Bitcoin. I'm a Tesla shareholder. There you go. Um, and and Alex has a follow up. He simply says, "Nice, Gary." <laughs> so it's good that a few Excellent. a few people out there got that uh, got that reference. Anyway, let's get stuck into the podcast. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, and ShareSite is an application that you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio, and it will. It's fantastic for keeping track of all of the different types of gains you experience when you're investing in the stock. market market. So capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans, then it will do all of those calculations for you. Uh, Currency gains, if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies, 
And then the main reason why I personally use it is when it comes to tax time. So ShareSite generates up to 10 different reports that can be used at tax time to easily work out things such as your capital gains, dividend income, and more. And at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T sharesite.com forward slash young investors. You can use that link to sign up to a free plan and use it for as long as you want. And if you also want to sign up to a paid plan with more features, more premium features, then you can use that link to get four months off a yearly subscription. So go check it out if you're interested in that. Nice. I like how you say it tracks your gains. It's like it doesn't track your losses because we don't want to no, know no, about no, no, those. No. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're losing money, it just it just, uh, it just disappears. Goes, yeah, yeah. Instead of saying like negative thirty percent, it just says negative, and then it just says, "Don't worry, everything's gonna be all right." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it slowly just strokes through your hair. Yeah, everything's it, gonna be all right. If your portfolio is doing really bad, it just <laughs> comes up with a message encouraging you to start a new portfolio and just seek. So yeah, kind of- we we advise you delete this portfolio and start again get a fresh start (laughs) go to the gold coast for a couple of days and get a fresh start time to open Um, your eighth account (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah we noticed you have 15 accounts with us is something wrong (laughs) (laughs) oh dear oh dear all right where should we start where should we start Um, today i don't know we start with a bit of 13f yeah uh, news that's always pretty interesting yeah should we start with Barry or Buffett? Both are quite interesting. You pick. Um, let's start with Buffett. Um, Buffett. Yeah. yeah, fair. Fair. Everyone wants to know about Buffett. So, of course, when we're talking 13Fs, this is a quarterly filing that uh, big money managers have to make over in the US if they manage, what is it, more than $100 million Yeah, I think it's like $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. So, it basically just is them publicly disclosing what's in their equity portfolio. So, it just uh, lets us know essentially what the what the big dogs are, are doing. And big dogs, they don't come much bigger. Well, they do not come bigger than Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> he is the biggest of the big dogs, <laughs> some may say. Um, so, a couple of interesting things, nothing groundbreaking, I guess, with, yeah. with the moves that he was making in, in uh, Q. This is for Q4 2020 because, of course, there's a 45-day delay after the quarter ends before this becomes public information. Mm. Um, that's why we're only talking about it now. Um, so the probably the biggest story was that he's just formed a big new um, stake in Verizon. Mm. Uh, so I, I, to be honest, I didn't actually know heaps about Verizon. So I just did a quick squiz. Everybody knows them as a big US telecommunications company. Mm. They offer wireless internet, TV, and phone services. They have 2,330 retail stores, and they're actually the second largest telco in the States by revenue after AT&T. So that is Verizon. And this is interesting because Buffett, or I shouldn't just say Buffett, but Berkshire Hathaway, uh, made an investment in T-Mobile um, or T-Mobile. I say it like the Americans do, T-Mobile um, <laughs> last quarter. And they've also added to that position in T-Mobile by 117% in this quarter, which is another big telco. Right. Uh, but that position is is quite substantially smaller than the one they just made in Verizon. In fact, the stake they just made in Verizon went straight to their sixth largest position in their portfolio. Wow. So, yeah, it's 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 not a small buy. You know, sometimes like a couple of 
quarters ago were like, oh, you know, is Buffett buying into this gold miner? And it turns out it occupied like 0.3% of his portfolio. Um, so it really was insignificant. But this uh, stake in Verizon occupies 3.2% of his portfolio. Yeah. So, um, I mean- it's actually, as I said before, it's the sixth largest position. It's actually quite a decent stake considering his portfolio has a lot of stocks in it. Um, but yeah, he so he bought 147 million shares. Uh, and overall that at the end of the quarter had a market value of $8.62 billion. So he's wow. probably sunk roughly, you know, eight, eight and a half billion dollars into this investment. Any thoughts on the new stake in Verizon? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably in the same boat as you where it's not really an industry that I've I've looked into that much, particularly in the US. I probably know a little bit more about Australian telecommunications than, than American mm. telecom. But um, I mean, it's certainly a decent sized position, 3.2% of the port portfolio. And uh, this was actually one of the businesses that he requested uh, special confidentiality, I think it's called, uh, from the oh. SEC. Um, so, if you remember- This was it. This was it. Yes. Yeah. So, and, ah. and actually two other businesses as well. So, it was actually three in total. Um, but I can't actually remember exactly how much. I think it was about $12 billion or $13 billion at the last 13F filing was listed as as just information omitted. Um, we basically mm. didn't know what it was. It, at the time, a lot of people speculated that it was actually Tesla. Yeah, um, they did, didn't they? Uh, so that was interesting. So we finally found out what he was buying and it was Verizon and, and two other companies that only made up about less than 1% of the portfolio. So it was mostly Verizon that he was secretly mm. trying to invest in. So, right. very interesting. Um, it is the sixth largest, but it's still only 3% of the portfolio. So It's not huge. It's, but yeah. then again, I mean, if, if you exclude Apple from the portfolio, then all of a sudden his second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth largest <laughs> positions look a hell of a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Just, yeah. yeah, just the fact that Apple, I think Apple's like up to, actually, he reduced in Apple. He did. Uh, this quarter, he trimmed it by about 6%, but I still think it's like 43% of his portfolio. So, it's almost almost <laughs> taken up half of that portfolio, which is just bloody insane. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, th- I find that interesting. Yeah, yeah. definitely interesting. I- interesting buy in Verizon. Um, sorry, I did butt into you there. Did, did, do you have anything no, else to add on that one? I, no. I think that's I think that's just about it. It is, it is going to be yeah. interesting to see if he continues to add to it because he has, well, at least in the Berkshire portfolio, they often have a lot of really, really small positions that he just kind of adds 0.1% of the portfolio to. Um, yeah. But it's very rare that he adds a, a few percentage points to a stock. Usually, if he's going to add to something and make it the sixth largest position, he's going, going to go quite heavy into it. So, mm, yeah. um, it'll That's certainly true. be interesting to see if uh, over the first quarter of 2021, whether he continued to add to it. Um, but maybe mm. he's done because I guess he, he's now revealed what that position is. So, potentially, uh, you never know. Yeah, I guess we'll I see. I wonder if I'll have a look at the stock because I wonder if the Buffett effect has kicked in already. Um, because that's why he see no see the Buffett effect hasn't hasn't kicked in. Oh, actually, let's look. A at little oh, sorry, bit. yes, it did, it did, it did. Yeah, it went up five percent. Yeah, so um, that's that's why Warren Buffett asks the SEC for special treatment. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, so 
what Hamish was saying before, where he was allowed to make this purchase and just put down the numbers as you know a confidential buy, uh, is because as soon as that information becomes public, everybody else starts buying it, and that spikes the share price up. So Buffett really doesn't have an opportunity to get in at the at the price that he potentially wants to for Berkshire Hathaway. So yeah, um, so that's that's the Buffett effect anyway. So I've seen about a five percent Buffett effect on Verizon. Um, what else happened in this quarter? So you added also uh, added to the pharmaceutical bets that we were talking about mm. in the last quarter. He added another twenty eight percent to Merck, twenty uh, percent to Abvi, and eleven percent to Bristol Myers. Mm. To be honest, I don't know very much about these pharmaceutical companies, so no. I, I won't uh, waste your time and get dragged down there. Yeah, uh, but interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, you go. No, all, all I was going to say was interestingly enough, he completely sold out of the Pfizer position, which is obviously, yeah. obviously another <laughs> pharmaceutical bets. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, I was about. To <laughs> So that, yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, that, that was very interesting. Um, I wonder why. I wonder what his reasoning there was. Yeah, but, maybe he thinks that. It, I mean, I honestly haven't even looked at Pfizer's stock. Has Pfizer's stock gone through the roof? Maybe it's potentially. I mean, maybe a lot of the gain has been kind of uh, achieved from yeah, it. Not really. It's kind scrambling. of scrambling. Still not really. Nah, up. it's not even. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of flat, isn't it? Yeah, you would have yeah. thought it would have exploded, but. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's insignificant think, for their business. I, I think know. Pfizer was a small position anyway, so maybe it wasn't even Buffett. Could have been Ted or Todd, and maybe it That's was true. simply a vaccine play. Um, but I mean, it did have a big spike in in when was it in December? So potentially they cashed out there. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and it's fallen back down in 2021. So it might be the case where we see because it's at roughly the same price now as what it was in Q3. So maybe we might see it pop up in the Q1 2021 results. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, other news, what else happened? New stake in Chevron. Mm. So this is uh, the world's eighth largest oil company. Uh, he bought 48.5 million shares, which was worth about 4.1 billion at the end of Q4 2020. So he's already made 12% year to date on that <laughs> investment, which is pretty impressive. But, and I've been seeing a couple of videos pop up on YouTube about this. It's like, come on, Buffett, come on. <laughs> you are so far stuck in the past. Naughty, naughty Buffett for <laughs> investing in oil companies. But then again, to be honest, I don't think Warren Buffett cares particularly for, for that sort of stuff. But to, when I look at that, and I, obviously Buffett is someone I look up to and, you know, Buffett thinks about holding these investments, any investment he makes for 10, 20 years. I'm just like, really? Oil company? Really? But um, I don't know. It's probably the case the oil's not going anywhere anytime soon, but still, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it could very well be a good investment. I just, it's not, doesn't really align with my values. But um, yeah. I mean, in terms of investment, it could be. I, I think oil Maybe. is going to be used for a very long time, even though we're going through quite a, a substantial shift. I think it's yeah. going to take a long it's used time. In, it's used in plastics as well, so yeah. plastic isn't going anywhere. So. The, the <laughs> use of the use of fossil fuels in the industrial sector mm. is just so deep. That yeah, that is going to yeah. take a long time. It'll there'll be moves in the consumer market first, things like electric cars and and powering your home and those sort of areas. But industrial will take a long time, and maybe Buffett sees that. But 
yeah, I, it doesn't really align with my long-term values of buying something that you would want to hold forever. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think I would ever, <laughs> I don't think I would ever buy shares in Chevron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could probably, not, I could safely say I will never do that. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll go with just, that. Just not my style. Just not my style. <laughs> um, all right. We should, should move on. So I'll just go through this quickly. So yeah, he did reduce his Apple stake by 6%. Um, any thoughts on that? I, I guess that's maybe just, maybe just take advantage of a high share price and trimming down he's still very heavily invested so yeah i mean nothing in particular he trimmed last quarter and earlier in the year earlier in 2020 he he basically said i I made a video on this he basically said that he doesn't trim positions that if he's trimming he's selling it that's right Um, yeah and i made a video about that well okay he said this but also at other points in time he said that he does trim positions so um i I think he he's quite inconsistent on on whether on trimming so (laughs) i I don't think it's uh it's probably not something that's a big part of his principles (laughs) because he kind of goes back and forth um but uh wait what did i say did i sorry did i say that i do trim or that i don't Trip. What did I say 20 years what, ago what, in the... What did I say? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, no, I do trim... No, wait. No, I don't trim... Posi- <laughs> I mean, it would be impossible to be consistent with how long he's been publicly oh, talking yeah. about positions as well. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know when he um, he said he does trim, but it could mm. have been 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. There are so many situations in the stock market where you might say one thing, but then something else arises and you're like, oh, actually, I, I do need to do the opposite of what I just said kind of thing. Yeah. So... There's, there's a lot of that. Um, anyway, moving on. So, he sold out of Pfizer. He also sold out of JP Morgan. There you go. That's a, that's a pretty big sell. And uh, he also sold out of Barrick Gold, M- M&T Bank, and PNC Financials. So, continues to ditch the financials, which has uh, has been, I don't know, like a fortress of his portfolio for, for a long time. In fact, what I did is I looked at the top 10. So, this now essentially gives us the information of his what he's holding heading into 2021. So, what mm. I did is I went and looked at his top 10 holdings for 2021 and compared them to his top 10 holdings at the same time last year. So, heading into 2021, his 10 largest positions are Apple at 44%, Bank of America 11%, Coke 8%, American Express at 7%, Kraft Heinz at 4%, Verizon 3%, Moody's 3%, US Bancorp 2%, DaVita Healthcare 1.5% and Chevron at 1.5%. Then this is what it was last year. Apple Bank of America, Coke, American Express. So, the first four are the same. Mm. And then after that, we had Wells Fargo, Kraft Heinz, JP Morgan, US Bancorp, Moody's, and Delta. So, <laughs> oh, Delta. there's actually- yeah, so Delta, definitely. <laughs> they, they got rid of that. But um, uh, but interestingly, like there was obviously much more representation from the financial sector in the last year's top 10 versus this year, where really there's what- uh, Moody's, Bancor, and Bank of America. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. A lot of changes there, but not at the top, which is interesting. Yeah, not at the top. Yeah, yeah. we. I mean, the core group stays the same, doesn't it? Yeah, he really hasn't made an investment like his traditional investments since Apple. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you look at the top four, Coke was in the eighties. American yeah. Express was in the 70s. Long time ago. I'm not sure when he initially invested in Bank of America or whether he's gotten in and out of, of that oh, over time. I feel time. like he's held that one for a long time I, I as well. I think he's held that for a very long time. Um, but yeah. those are kind of his very... And Kraft Heinz as well. Those are some of his very traditional investments where he buys something and he plans to just hold it 
forever. More recently, yeah. we've seen he gets in the banks, he gets out of the banks, he gets into pharmaceuticals, he gets out of pharmaceuticals, he gets into the airlines, mm. he gets out of the airlines. Seems like he's he hasn't sort of found something like an Apple or like a like a Coca Cola. Um, in a, in a mm, few years. True. And I mean, it's only been, what, like five years since he invested in Apple originally. Yeah. So, it's not as if it's been a huge amount of time between a big investment like that. But I would like to see that. I want to see yeah. him put 20% into something new. <laughs> that would be insane. And it's also a function of, of something that we've spoken on the podcast about before is what investments are actually going to shift the needle for Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. And when you actually look at this investment size that would be needed, like in the tens of billions of dollars, um, to, to take a, a, you know, a substantial position in a company to sink $20 billion into a stock. There's actually only select few businesses that he could potentially do that with. Yep. Um, he, cause he is, as I said before, the biggest of the big dogs. <laughs> so you, you might mm. find, uh, I don't know, like Brandon's electronics store <laughs> and be like, Oh, this is the next big thing. But, uh, for, for, for Warren Buffett, he sees my little company, which has got maybe a market cap of $8 million or something. And it's just like, well, you know, that is just not going to be worth my time. It's kind <laughs> of like it, seeing the five cent coin company on the ground and picking it up in the hope that it's going to be a 10 cent coin company one day, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's also a function of, you know, what what can Buffett invest in where he's going to get those great returns? What mm. companies are big enough that he can, can sink that into? That's something we've talked about before on the podcast. Definitely. Um, but I, th I think that'll just about do us for Buffett chat. Um, yeah, I think so. For, for this podcast. Uh, it, to be honest, it was reasonably unremarkable. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, still, still some stuff to talk about. I think we've talked about it for about 10 minutes. So um, yeah, so there you go. Berkshire Hathaway 13F for another quarter. Mm. Um, the Oracle of Omaha. All right, where should we go? Do you want to talk about Facebook? Because this, <laughs> this, what's been popping up in the news recently about Facebook and this news media bargaining code has just, just what the, can, can you explain it? Like what the yeah. hell is, what the hell is going on Man, this, here? This news story never ends. I feel like we're going to get like uh, very interesting news coming out of Facebook and Google and the Australian mm. government every single week for, it's 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 just really heating up with what's maybe happening. Maybe we'll change the YouTube. Maybe we'll change the podcast to the News Media Bargaining Code yeah. podcast. <laughs> and anti News Corp. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly uh, right. Anyway, t yeah, tell us what's going on. Yeah, so I so for, again, I'll just give a very very brief summary of of what's yeah. going on. But you can obviously check out pretty much any of the last podcast from the last month or so or the last <laughs> two months and we've we've spoken about it probably every single week but um google and facebook in australia are facing new regulations and those regulations are basically compelling google and facebook to pay news companies like news corp or seven west media uh, for sharing news articles on their sites so mm. basically that's the the core of the legislation there's other things involved in it as well um and what and, do you think about it, Hamish? Do you think it's good? I have no opinion on this either way. I, I'm completely unbiased. I, oh, dear. Anyway, anyway. You'll, you'll get to my opinion. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Um, <laughs> no, so, and basically there's been a few different reactions from Google and Facebook. Google first threatened to, to remove search from Australia, which was, uh, I think that happened last week. Um, mm. And they've since reneged on that and they've actually struck a deal with Seven West Media and News Corp. Um, and they're right. expected to, to strike deals with, with a number of other media companies, basically saying, yes, we will pay you. To, to be able to show your news uh, in uh, in their news app and, and in search. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, Facebook decided to go a little bit a little bit differently. Uh, they took a different approach, didn't yeah. they? Instead of uh, <laughs> instead of putting their hand out and, and striking a deal, they actually this week decided they were going to remove news from their platform entirely. Cop that. Which uh, happened, I think, yesterday, right? Or, or the day before um, think, for, for yeah, when we're recording so. this, um, which is uh, an insane move. Uh, Facebook basically said news only represents a tiny percentage. I think they said it was 4% of posts on uh, Facebook. So, mm. as a result, uh, in order to dodge this new regulation, in order to not be compelled to, to pay to share news, they just decided they're going to remove it. Um, See you later. Cop that. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody saw this coming as well, which was why it was such a shocking news story. And there was actually a lot of different things that that happened, a number of consequences that that kind of came out of how quickly this happened. Um, they actually also ended up blocking a number of non-news pages um, mm. in their sort of broad sweep of, of, of uh, removing news pages because, of course, they're not manually removing news pages. They're, they're using an algorithm that's kind of yeah. guessing, yeah. really. Um, um, based on a number of rules, um, but there was a few pages that are uh, that were removed that are not new. So, one eight hundred respect W uh, the Western Australia Department of Fire and Emergency Services, the Bureau of Meteorology. <laughs> um, there was an Optus Stadium. There was a number oh, of wow, there was okay. a lot of them um, that were removed. Right. Um, and uh, interestingly, uh, you've written here a statement from the company said, as the law yeah. does not provide any guidance on the definition of news content, we have taken a broad definition in order to respect the law as drafted. As drafted. <laughs> Which is such a slap in the face. <laughs> that for, is, that is, to the that is just Facebook looking at Australian media and going, cop this. Yeah. Because that was- <laughs> You want to mess with us? We are going to flex our muscles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting because that was that was Google's argument as well was that the reason why Google didn't decide to try and just stop showing news was because the definition in the in the legislation is so broad that they couldn't possibly uh, satisfy yeah. it without without breaking the law. Um, so Google basically said, okay, we, we can't really go that route um, because if we leave any other kind of, if we leave anything up that, that the government deems is news, um, then that's that that would fall into the discriminatory discriminatory part of the legislation and they would have mm. to pay a fine. Whereas Facebook has kind of said, <laughs> we're just going to go broad, just like the legislation, which is, um, which is pretty funny, I think. Yeah. Did you like, and here's the thing. Did you even notice that you couldn't post or read news on Facebook for the day that they blocked it? Did you, did you notice? Cause I did not even notice. Not, no, not particularly. I do actually yeah. read quite a bit of news on Facebook, but it wasn't as if it was some groundbreaking change that, that, I mean, I just went on Google to, to look at news. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I get news from a number of different places, YouTube, Google, Facebook, 
Um, so going directly to news sites a lot of the time as well. So yeah. um, it didn't really register with me. It wasn't something like as if, it, I mean, if they've just blocked the Facebook app, I would notice that because I would keep mm. going to it and be like, oh, I can't use this. But yeah, it mm. wasn't as if uh, removing news was anything that changed Facebook for me substantially. Um, yeah. But obviously a lot of uh, media companies are not very happy about it because of course not. <laughs> they're no longer getting traffic. Um, exactly. And that's, that is that that is the overarching reason why Facebook did it yeah. for sure is because they just want to go, okay, you, the media companies that lobbying the government, you guys want us to have to pay you every time, you know, somebody clicks on one of your links through our website or something like that, or, or we even like display it to, to the users on Facebook. Well, hmm, you actually generate a substantial amount of money because of our almost like referral clicks to your website. Hmm. So, we're just going just, to just gonna take that away from you for a little bit and then you can, you can feel <laughs> how much revenue you actually lose by the lack of us referring people to your websites. Um, which, yeah, I, I think is is obviously the move that Facebook or, and I'm surprised Google haven't done this. Yeah. Um, Google haven't just been like, you know what, news can just, you know, we'll just block news for a little bit in Australia and almost do a bit of an experiment. And what would have been epic, <laughs> this would have been crazy if Google and Facebook had gotten together and teamed up and had blocked news for the whole of Australia for a certain period of time because that would have really woken up the news sites. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like so I heard some, it's probably BS, but I heard something like hmm. if if nobody in Australia bought petrol for like half an hour, just for some reason, just everybody didn't buy petrol for half an hour, like that would be enough to force companies to drop their petrol prices kind really? of thing. It would, it would well, I don't, I don't know. That could be total BS. I just heard it like that's <laughs> something that I just heard forever ago. But it's that kind of concept, right. you know, where imagine, if you know Google and Facebook blocked all news just for long enough so that the media companies said whoa actually maybe we shouldn't have uh, maybe we shouldn't have poked at this giant you know <laughs> yeah I mean the, the thing that I keep asking myself is if the Australian government and the news companies are really concerned about Facebook stealing news articles which has been the whole rhetoric of this this legislation is that mm. Facebook is taking something for free they're taking these news articles and, and using them for their benefit to make money and yeah, not paying the yeah. media companies. If that is really true, then isn't this a win? If Facebook removed news, isn't mm. that like Facebook no longer benefiting from the news articles exactly. on their side? Wouldn't that wouldn't the media companies be happy that Facebook is no longer stealing their content and using it for free? Now the media hey, companies Michotta, have- you are you are a smart man. It just seems uh, seems to me like that's a win. But of course, no, that's not what the media companies want. They want to have the cake and they want to eat it too. <laughs> they, they want, want the, the money. They want the free We don't traffic. want you to stop. We don't want you to stop. We just want more money. <laughs> and I mean, they're just so inconsistent. I mean, last week, Scott Morrison was saying that So when Google was threatening to leave, last, me last week, Scott Morrison, the, the uh, Prime Minister of Australia, was saying he would love to see Google leave. Australia. He was he, he was basically saying it was fantastic. <laughs> this week, Facebook uh. Facebook pulls out and he calls them an arrogant bully. <laughs> so which is it? You want them to leave or you want them to stay? <laughs> like, 
make up your mind. <laughs> just so inconsistent. Oh, I just have one more thing. I know we've spoken about this yeah, story. Yeah, no, for- no, let's, let's go. It's just so funny. This whole situation and is hilarious. I mean, it's just so great because- if you just spend some time, just Google search um, like Facebook news media or whatever and go on mm-hmm. to and just read through the news articles. And of course, none of the media companies are going to back Facebook because they're no, all no. they're all hurting from this. And I understand there's, you know, that, that there's a, a lot of businesses that are going to hurt from this um, naturally. But um, it's just it's just amazing to go through and read some of these articles and how inconsistent uh, mm-hmm. some of the points are. Um, the last thing I had here was, so they discussed this on Q and a, so ABC, um, the, the government run, um, television network has a Q and a Q&A session that they do. Basically it's like a show and yeah. they discuss divisive topics. Um, and they had this on, it must've been last night. Um, or maybe it was earlier in the week, but, um, they basically discussed, um, the, the, the situation with Facebook removing news from their site. Um, and it was really just a panel of people who don't know anything about the internet talking about the internet. <laughs> and, it, and it's just great. It's just great. Uh, I, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've only watched clips, but um, I can imagine what it, what, it, what the panel would look like too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even need to explain it. Everybody knows what the panel would look like. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so there was just one comment I'll, I'll bring up. I won't, I'm not going to spend too much time on this story okay, because I, okay, yeah. it's, it, I enjoy it, but I know a lot of people are probably. Um, sick of me talking about it, but um, Michelle Rowland uh, was one of the panelists, um, and her she basically had like a, a, a segment where she just basically gave a nice speech um, presenting her argument against Facebook, and she argued that Facebook has been benefiting from sharing news articles on their site. Basically, the same argument that a lot of people have been um, making. Um, mm. Then she spoke about how that uh, that Facebook has basically driven a decline in traditional media companies, and that has resulted in job losses and and all these other things. Um, she spoke about how forty percent of Australians access news through Facebook, but. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people access f- news through Facebook, but I'm sure it's not the only place people access mm. news. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd love to see that stat. But um, this quote was probably the best thing out of her little speech was um, she says, over the years, we've seen a lot of search engines come and go. Internet Explorer, MySpace. Is this the beginning of the end of Facebook? The best thing about that is none of oh the things God. she mentioned are a search engine, <laughs> including Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> search engines come and go <laughs> we've got an internet browser an old social media platform <laughs> and, an, and the new social media platform oh my gosh jesus christ <laughs> uh over you know over the years we've seen train companies come and go uh chevron the afl Sony. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) But Ah. the funniest thing is just like, it's almost like she knows she doesn't know by just asking it as a question. Yeah. Instead of saying, this is the beginning of the end of Facebook. She's like, 
is this the beginning of the end for Facebook? Is it? It's like, hmm, let me think about that. Okay, so, uh, well, first of all, uh, the Australian market is really insignificant to Facebook. Secondly, there's like a third of the world's population that uses Facebook yeah, on a what, monthly basis. What, what did we, um, we ran a calculation when we, when we were looking at their numbers. I think it was 75% of, of people who have access to the internet use Facebook use, every month, yeah, I think. It use was. one of the apps. Yeah, yeah, at least one of the apps, which is just an <laughs> <laughs> is this the beginning of the end? Mm, okay, so the return on invested capital is like 20 to 30% year, like for years and years and years on end. Okay, so they're getting record revenues. Okay, they've got this massive network effect, this massive moat. Mm, okay, okay, uh, no, I don't think this is the beginning of the yeah. end for Facebook. <laughs> Hundreds of I millions mean, of small businesses use Facebook in one way or the exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah, you take Facebook away and boy, oh boy. Man, some businesses really start to hurt. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, uh, disregard whatever the hell that lady said because that um, that was just clearly <laughs> not uh, not well educated on the topic. And 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 the best thing about the panel was nobody like nobody challenged her after she said that. They were all just yeah, nodding their like head, nodding. Yes. Mm-hmm, yes, maybe you're right. Maybe, very well, could be. I haven't used Firefox in years. Like, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, dear. Anyway, let's move on before we get too fired up. We've already gotten fired up. We I can't. Know. We can't stop ourselves from getting fired up on this topic. But it's just so ridiculous. And we, so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the the reality is, I think we're going to see a lot more regulation coming Facebook's way mm. now after this because governments do not like it when. Uh, when uh, Mark Zuckerberg kind of spits in their face. So you've been um, zucked. Yeah. We'll, we'll they probably. Did. Australia got zucked. They did. They got zucked. Yeah. They did. It was the, yeah. The zuck is the, the immediate brutal response. And the, the, Mur- Australia is normally murdocked, which is just the slow, mm. repetitive kill over time. So it's like, would you rather be murdocked or would you rather be zucked? Mm. <laughs> That's essentially what this debate boils down to. <laughs> you, you, you decide. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, more 13F news. Mm. Uh, I made a video about this, uh, so I won't hammer on about it too much. Uh, but I wanted to bring it up because it is just so, so unfortunate Poor old Michael Burry. I feel for him. I mean, sure, the guy's a millionaire. Sure, he, he's he's living well. He made a, a lot of money in, in the global financial crisis betting against the housing market. But so back to what we we're talking about before with these 13 Fs. So you know how we've been talking about GameStop over the past, what, like month or two, I yeah. guess. Um, anyway, so GameStop just has this in in late January has this incredible run uh, the full short squeeze the full impact of the short squeeze sends the shares from like 20 bucks to three hundred and forty seven dollars in like 10 trading days or something anyway um, then there's this ongoing battle between like retail investors the Wall Street bets people and the hedge funds that are just bleeding. Uh, and this is like this war that became a meme that everyone got on, of course, as we've been talking about. But mm. this innocent bystander of the whole event, Michael Burry, he <laughs> just so happened to have, well, this is what we knew. At the end of Q3 2020, it was a GameStop was his largest position in his portfolio. <laughs> it held like over 10% of his portfolio. Um, 
wow. maybe 13% if I'm remembering correctly. So we thought sitting back, because that was the last update we got, we thought, oh, yeah, Michael Burry is not one to just, you know, he'll he'll hold this. He believes in it. He'll hold it. Um, and then we saw this amazing run. So we think, oh, my gosh, you know, Michael Burry has literally made like between 300 and $500 million in literally like a month. This is just <laughs> insane. Unfortunately for him, turns out he missed the run completely. <laughs> oh, the poor guy. Bow, bow. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. Um, and I'm uh, copying it a lot in my YouTube comments at the moment on this video because it's like, oh no, he tripled his money or whatever. Because he, <laughs> he still would have done very very well on the investment. Like right, yeah. he bought he bought it like between three dollars fifty and five dollars fifty. And when he sold out, the stock was roughly at like twenty dollars. So he's, right. he's done he's done very oh. very well, but. But can you just imagine? I mean, he saw the the filing just said that he sold out completely, sold out every single last share that he had in GameStop. He sold in Q4 2020 before the run even started. Can you just imagine? I mean, you would feel great initially. Imagine you like Thor Industries, right? Imagine you booking like a you know 300, 400% profit on your position, and then you're feeling great. And then a month later, Thor just goes up by 1,600%. (laughs) Oh, oh. I mean, you should feel good because like, you know, a win's a win. But I don't know. Would you feel good? I feel like you'd just be like, oh, the biggest opportunity of my life. (laughs) You you would feel terrible because everything's relative. You always just want, (laughs) you always want what you can't have. (laughs) Oh, Man. Man, poor old Michael Burry. Wow. Because that literally, him selling out, um, well, th- if he timed it perfectly, which of course wouldn't have happened, but if he saw, if he held all the way up to 347 per share and then just happened to sell his whole position at 347 per share, he would have turned 17 million into about 500 million. So like wow. half a billion dollars. Wow. The funny thing is I, that I just thought of just then was if you were cloning Michael Burry, you would have probably benefited more as long as if you were able to sell out of it while it was mm. really high, then you yeah. would have you would have probably been holding GameStop while even <laughs> though Michael Burry had sold it because there's that delay between the the filings. Like you would have only found out this week that Michael Burry didn't have GameStop. Very so, true. Uh, if you were actually cloning him, you would have probably been holding it while it went up. Not that that's a, a incentive to go and clone anybody, but it's just yeah. interesting. Interesting that we've, I think we've spoken about how cloning can uh, through 13Fs can be negative in some ways because you're always 45 days behind at, yeah. the, at the very least. Um, a lot of the time you might even be longer than that behind. So you can't really copy them accurately. Um, but uh, yeah, very interesting situation. Yeah, true. In this case, the 45-day delay would have been a blessing in disguise. Correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, true, we always think about, oh, why do we have to wait 45 days to, after the quarter ends before we can see what's going on? But yeah, this one would have benefited you quite substantially. Oh, dear. <laughs> but to be honest, there's no way that if I was a GameStop shareholder, there's no way that I would have held until $347 per share. No. Because these short squeezes... Like when you see it go up like that, you know, like there's 
it is coming down. Yeah. It is absolutely like, it's just a matter of time. So it then becomes like you look at your returns on paper and, you know, we were saying, okay, the stock started at 20, then it went to 40, then it went to 60, then it went to a hundred and something, then it went to 300. Like there would have been a point along there where you're like, man, this could literally end tomorrow. Like the stock could just drop 60, 70, 80% tomorrow. So you probably wouldn't have even held on that long. Like if I saw my stock go from 20, to 60 and I'm running my valuation. It's like, oh, geez, you know, this <laughs> this is hot. Then I probably would have dumped it maybe even around $60. I don't think there's any way in the world I'd still be holding my shares at $300. Yeah, that's why uh, I just don't want to, I don't want to be the kind of person trading in and out of stocks on, on those kinds of things because it would be so difficult to, to decide what you do there. Like, do you sell yeah. it completely? Do you hold completely? Do you do you sell yeah, exactly. a little bit and then leave some in there, leave some of the profits in there? What do you even do? Because mm. like you said, if you sell out, you feel good for a little while, but then if it rockets up, you'll feel terrible. But then also the same is true on the other side. If you keep buying more and more and more and then you experience what happened to GameStop, which is what? It's down, what is it? 90%, 88% now? Mm. It's, yeah, 88 uh, That would hurt. Ouch. Yeah, this is kind of interesting though. You know, I looked at GameStop. Hmm. It's uh, down 88% since the 27th of January. Right. So, it's down 11% overnight even. However, so that's that's like basically, it's basically lost almost all its value since the 27th of January. Hmm. However, it's up 880% in the last 12 months. Oh, wow. So, even if you bought it like a year ago and you still held it through everything that's happened, the run up and then the crash back down, literally the 88% crash that we've had since the 27th of January, you're still up 880%. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? Oh, dear. But uh, no, it's very interesting. Um, nothing really too much to report apart from that out of Michael Burry's 13F, nothing mm. that caught my attention the thing that interested me was he he can really move and shake his portfolio like he's he's got 20 stocks in his portfolio in the the in q4 2020 so he has 20 stocks in his portfolio in q4 2020 he added nine new stocks and he sold out of nine stocks completely whoa so he just yeah (laughs) talk about that for turnover (laughs) yeah he just changed half his portfolio in a single quarter (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly right exactly uh and he ditched you know he ditched gamestop he ditched uh facebook he ditched so many of his other ones Mm. that he said that he's bullish on so weird he he definitely doesn't mind moving around the old michael burry yeah but uh, anyway facebook's bothering me at the moment with everything that's going on i don't know what to do with it there's a lot of uncertainty, I, th- I feel. Oh, yeah. With regulation. I mean, is, is, it, is it uncertainty worldwide or is it just uncertainty in Australia? Because Australia wouldn't mean nothing to Facebook, you know? Of course, yeah. We'd have to gain, gain uh, US interest. Uh, yeah. Which I think it could. I, I wouldn't say it was inconceivable for, yeah. for the democratic government in the US to, to regulate heavily against Facebook and some of the other tech giants, mm. but yeah, I guess we'll kind of see what happens. So, Michael Burry is out. I think uh, Seth Klarman, I had a look at his, he sold out of Google, but kept his Facebook, actually added to his Facebook okay. position. So, right. yeah. 
There you go. Yeah, it's quite interesting because some of these big name investors, their thoughts on different stocks do conflict. I mean, this is just further yeah. evidence that really you shouldn't trust anyone except yourself when you're investing. <laughs> it's like you look at this investor and they're buying heaps of Facebook. You look at that investor and then they're selling heaps of Facebook. Yeah. If they went on to CNBC, they'd say, no, 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 get out of Facebook. If the other person went on, on CNBC, they'd say, yeah, time to get in on Facebook. I did. <laughs> yeah. So and they like, both have good records. So yeah, it, exactly it can, right. It can be the yeah, case yeah. That, that two really great investors disagree on a stock one will end up being right, one will be wrong to the what degree, I don't know, but uh, or it could be to any degree, but then they could still mm. end up with their overall portfolios, with their overall picks, still end up both being good investors because mm. you don't have to be right on every single one. So yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to, to just blindly follow one stock from one great investor. It's not mm. really going to help you out. You know, I wanted to talk about this story real quick because mm. we didn't get time for it last week. Um, but I still want to cover it. I find it quite interesting. I looked up, uh, this is now, I think like a week or two ago, school banking programs to be banned in Canberra from July after unanimous support from ACT politicians. How interesting is this? This is specifically targeting, I think the Commonwealth Bank's Dolomites program, um, we all know, like, we all know that these, you know, Dolomite programs are actually just like marketing campaigns. Uh, but now, uh, Canberra's actually stepped up and has said, no, 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 we are actually going to ban this because this is not a good thing. Because essentially what it is for those, maybe if you're listening like internationally, is, you know, the big banks of Australia working their way into schools like primary schools. And essentially, you know, saying, look, kiddies, we want to teach you about finances. So we're going to open you up an account and it's going to be this special Dolomites account where you're going to save your money, put it into your Dolomites account. We won't charge you any interest um, and you can, uh, or we won't charge you any fees, I should say, and you can just gain a modest amount of interest um, over time. And it kind of teaches you about bank accounts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, turns out... um, A review of the financial programs by ASIC last year concluded they do little to help students. (laughs) The banking regulator said the programs did not improve money-saving behavior among students and the objective of the banks in running these programs was in gaining new customers. (laughs) Hey, little Timmy. Uh, If you use use this magic card, you can buy anything you like. Exactly. We'll send you a credit card on your 18th birthday. Don't you worry about that. Oh dear. I found in a different uh, article here, it says a Queensland report uh, from a few years ago uh, showed that Commonwealth Bank paid schools $200 a year for taking part in the program. And then in addition, schools were paid $100 for every 100 students who sign up for an account and $5 for every 10 deposits made by a student. Wait a second. So that's literally an affiliate marketing deal for the school. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. They They are selling... Commonwealth Bank's banking uh, banking accounts to primary <coughs> school children. Oh my goodness! You can understand why this got uh, this got pulled up. And to be honest, I'm surprised they're still allowed in most states. But good on you, Canberra, for actually stepping up. Uh, says here, the Education Minister Yvette Berry said uh, community consultation had shown students were not satisfied with the fina- financial education they received at school. Uh, quote, one of these thing, uh, one of the things students identified they wanted to learn about was money and finances. And as- the ASIC report found providers of school banking programs were unable to demonstrate these programs improved savings behavior. Um, so it makes sense. I mean, 
it's not designed. I mean, really, they're trying to the bank's interest. They're trying to teach them bad behaviors so that the banks can, in the long run, make as much money out of these kids as possible. Um, but no, I like the fact that uh, that Canberra stepped up and just said, "Enough is enough. Get out." <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what we can do because they definitely should have some sort of financial education in in schools. I think it's it's one of the biggest things that's missing. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people want it as well. A lot of kids want to to have that kind of education and understand the basics of of how things function and what's even the purpose of of saving money because it can be really hard as a kid to to appreciate the purpose of, of saving a few thousand dollars rather than buying something um, mm. when, when you're 15 years old and you've just gotten a job. It can be really hard to, to grasp why you would want to do that. But um, yeah, they should and definitely have And for most like um, middle income kind of households, money is kind of just like this taboo subject. Like you just don't, you know, don't talk about it. You know, you always get yeah. told as a kid, you know, never, never worry. Don't worry about money. Never think about money. Don't do it for the money, which, you know, that you can, you can understand the thinking behind that. But when people start to say to kids, you know, Ah, oh, you know, little Timmy, money's not important. Well, it's like I, I, you understand the psychological, like the the behavioral reason why you would say that money's not important. No, you shouldn't do things just for the money. However, no. you can't say that money is not important. No. I mean, why people spend what forty five years of their life going to work to get what? Oh, money. When you go to the supermarket and you want to buy uh, your dinner or you want to buy your groceries for the week, what do you use to buy that? Oh, that's right. Uh, what's it called? Money. <laughs> it's like everything that we do is in some way related to money. So, I, I really, this is, kind of annoys me that it just becomes this taboo subject. You, we don't talk about money. You know, money is not important. It's like, well, actually, I think money is very important. Now, you don't want to become like obsessed with money, but it's important that you understand the concepts of finance and, and money and things like investing and saving and all of the like bank accounts and how they work and home loans and these sort of things, because yeah. these are things that you are going to use in your life. And the consequences in some cases, the consequences for not understanding how these products work, the consequences are severe. Yeah. Like credit cards, if you don't understand how a credit card works and you just max it out and then <laughs> that is a severe financial consequence that you're going to have to pay. So, yeah, I definitely think there needs to be. I think this is one of the biggest things that is not done well in school is giving people financial literacy. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that needs to change definitely. Yeah, and I would be interested. Obviously, it can't be done by a, a private entity with a you know a financial incentive to to go and teach kiddies how to be better with money because they're just going to get sold to, which is exactly what happened with Commonwealth Bank in mm. this case. But something needs to be done, um, and I don't quite know if you guys have any ideas as to how to make kids better with money and understand concepts going through school. I would love to hear it. So please go to the YouTube comments and let us know because I would love to hear your your guys' thoughts and opinions really on this topic. Yeah. And the internet, yeah. in a way, has helped a lot with with people being able True. to kind of seek out uh, their own financial education. Because prior to the internet, your education would have almost entirely come from what your parents' understanding of of um, finances is. And in, in many ways, it still is. Like from a young age, your understanding of finance is going to be what your parents tell you. 
um, yeah, you the should philosophies be doing. and whatnot. The, exactly yeah. the principles that they that they instill in you. Um, so intense helped with that a little bit, but yeah, it would be good. I think if there was some kind of class that you went through, um, mm. at, or at least a program that you do once during school, that can yeah, help something. you understand why it's important to mm. to get started early with investing. It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't even have to be a big thing. I mean, you just need to teach people about the financial structures that they will encounter in their life. So things like credit cards, debit cards, home loans, uh, insurance policies, that sort of thing. And yeah. the other thing I would want to touch on is uh, is money saving and investing. Yeah. In in the stock probably and you just probably just talk about in the stock market and in property. Yeah. And that would basically be it. You just cover active invest. Well, you probably wouldn't even cover pass, uh, active investing. You probably just stick to passive investing. But you talk about that. Talk about how some people use property to invest, and then that'd be it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Jesus seems relatively straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe obvious. we should do it. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's uh, that's what I wanted to touch on with that uh, story. Do we have anything else, or should we move it? We've only got one Q and A question today. I guess we've probably been going for almost an hour. We should probably head into our Q and A question, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's jump into it. This is, uh, this is an interesting one um, because it's uh, it's a bit out of left field, which uh, which I kind of like. Where was it? Here it is. Um, so, hey guys, a big fan of the podcast. Thank you very Thank much. A uh, bit of a different question to usual. What tax benefits do you guys get as YouTubers? I imagine you can claim camera equipment, software, etc. Um, but what's to stop me from claiming to be a YouTuber and get the same benefits? Is there a certain amount of income required per year or anything like that? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> that I is like a that. really good question. Um, yeah. I haven't answered a question like this in a long time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you can deduct. Um, of course, the, yeah, that's true. the the income that will be required is, I mean, you can only deduct, you can only get tax savings on 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 um, income that you've generated through YouTube. So, um, you couldn't make $0 through YouTube and then get deductions on on equipment that is used to create youtube content as far mm. as i'm aware at least um yeah. but uh and yeah. i believe i believe um i believe the ato considers you to be legitimately in business when you make like tw i think it's over twenty thousand dollars in the year right so that's a bit of a barrier that i don't know my accountant told me but anyway sorry continue no um i'm just trying to think if there was anything in particular um i mean i mean of course camera equipment is is good and software as you mentioned yeah and i mean of course there's there's things like the home office expenses um true uh, you know internet phone that sort of stuff uh you know travel if you like when I go down to Melbourne, hmm. maybe I'll go. We'll do a podcast while we're down there. Do a video, and um, and that that will all be you know deductible. You know, I didn't know one thing. I didn't know when you're traveling for business, interstate meals you can deduct. That's handy because I eat a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know that? Yeah, you can. That's something you, I learned recently. Yeah, as, if you're traveling for business, you can deduct pretty much Travel, quite a lot of things. Um, accommodation, just, just not entertainment food. and alcohol. Um, yeah. alcohol is EJ like entertainment, <laughs> EJ <laughs> entertainment, $24,000 asides. <laughs> okay. We did spend a little bit too much on the sides. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what else. Oh, I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, it's, it's mainly just equipment, isn't it? 
it's equipment, it's home office, it's travel if you're going somewhere to make a video. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's the yeah, the things like um the, you know, the phone, internet and that sort of thing. Um yeah, yeah software like Adobe stuff. Uh Ah, uh, trying to think what else, what else, what else, what else, but I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, probably the biggest expense for me that I can claim is equipment because generally electronics are pretty expensive. You yeah. Know, you, can, you can claim, you know, buy a new phone, you can claim that. You buy a new laptop, you can claim that. So, there are some advantages there. Yeah, definitely. Um but, but yeah, of course, you, like you, you, with with the tax, like I'm certainly no professional, and you should absolutely not take this as, <laughs> as tax advice. But yeah, you, you have to make sure. It's like if if you make twenty bucks in one year from from running a YouTube channel, and you have ten thousand dollars of expenses, the ATO is going to come around and say, "Look, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're claiming ten thousand dollars worth of tax deductions, and YouTube's only made you twenty bucks. Like, there's something's not quite right there." Um, but, uh, but yeah, there are, there are definitely some things you can, you can claim being a YouTuber is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The good stuff is mainly just the home office, just being able to work from home and claim it. Yeah, it is good. I mean, there's very little ongoing costs related to, to running yeah, the little. channel. It's really just yeah. equipment. Equipment's the killer. Um, yeah. cause you constantly want to just upgrade and mm, cameras, cameras and lighting gets very, very expensive once you start getting into some, some serious mm. equipment. That's true. But that's true. Besides that. But yeah. You, you can run a YouTube channel pretty tight. Like you can Definitely. run a tight machine for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Even if you just have basic equipment, then then even equipment doesn't have to be a huge cost. It's just that as it scales up, you know, um, you want to invest into better quality audio, better quality video and that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that uh, I think that does us for today. Yeah. That is, that, that is our only Q&A question for today. Um, so... Uh, definitely if you've got a question, discussion topic, question, anything really, um, feel free to head over to the YouTube version of the podcast and drop us a comment, uh, on the most recent episode and, uh, and Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll chuck us, uh, chuck all that stuff in for next week and, and, uh, and, and yeah, do another good episode where we can fit in some Q and A questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll do us for today, man. What an episode. Jeez. All right. Let's finish this sucker up. That was a big episode. We had, had some really good discussion topics in there today. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure um, we'll be definitely, we'll be back next week to find out what, how much trouble yeah. Facebook's in. Well, what's the punishment? News media, news media bargaining code part 2000. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, that'll wrap us up for, for this podcast, guys. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we say it every week, but thanks very much for giving us an, an hour of your time every week because we really do appreciate it. And, and we hope you enjoy it and, and get maybe something out of our, <laughs> our ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, let's wrap things up. Thanks, Hamish. Thanks to ShareSide as always for sponsoring and we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.